listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studio. Back on the Lance J Radio Network, I'm hanging out with one of my favorite people in the industry. We, we are on day three of our coverage of the Rise National Convention and coming to you live from Colorado Springs, Colorado. I am your host, the the one and only James Lewis III. And Dawn, this has been a fantastic conference. Like, this has been really good. I've been coming to Rise for a long, long time. Like, back, I remember Rise when there were like seven vendors and there were only maybe 30 or 40 people there in in the hallway. Yeah, in the hallway. And and it it is morphed from that to this. I know that this was kind of a record setting attendance it was and i have dawn carter with me who always has fantastic stories to tell she talks about obviously being an expert in claims and in her role with centauri health but uh what i like about dawn the most is that she's very open about her personal life and some of the health challenges that that she that she's had and how she's overcome those challenges and and just balancing career and, and being a mother and, and family and all of that stuff. So uh, always good to, to chat with you and, and to see you. Yes, thank you for having me. As now, usual, I saw that you weren't feeling that well, so I was afraid was. that you weren't going to make it. I was just like, I hope that, oh. that Dawn is, you, you have, you've been struggling with COVID. Well, COVID. yes, I actually um, had been struggling with some upper respiratory and just general fatigue. Well, it's not the place to be if yeah. you have trouble breathing, because so. I was huffing and puffing coming <laughs> off the airport, man. Yeah. This, is a, this is Colorado Springs. It's higher up here than it is in Denver. Like, it's really, really high, and you got Pikes Peak you can see yeah. from here. You can't see it now because it's been cloudy and, and rainy the whole time that we've been here. But um, this is, the elevation is tough. I, I know people that have come to conferences here and really got sick, like sick, sick, yeah. and, and couldn't even attend the conference. They were so sick. So I, I, and that's actually, you know, this had been going on since before Thanksgiving. Okay. And so it would come, and it would, it would recede, and then it would come back worse, and then, mm. and so finally, I, I was like, I'm gonna carry myself to the doctor, and that's right. she's like, you're gonna need some antibiotics. She's like, we don't want this going into a pneumonia, right? More serious situation, and. I complied. I'm normally not Good. on the antibiotics train, but I'm like, yep, I've Good. got got rise coming up, got Good. lots of things going on, got to do it. So, so I feel much better. What have you taken away? Because I, I love getting the the true technical specialist. Now, everybody, you was talking about the OIG session yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, I, I use the word brutal honesty. Yes. So they're just very honest and, and upfront about what the plans are. I think that. You know if you're at a health plan, if you're compliant. You you know if you're if you're in a C-suite, you know that you've been documenting. You have strong monthly meetings. You're you're taking minutes. You have um, you're not making unilateral decisions. So you have quality at the table. You have risk adjustment at the table. You have your clinical people at your, at the table. You have your actuaries at the table. You have your compliance at the table. Everybody's working together to create an ideal compliance plan and, and a strategy. And you know, if, you, if you're not doing that, like if it's just the C-suite over dinner at uh, Fogo de Chao, that's, that's where I used to go uh, when, I, when I was out west. I go to Fogo de Chao. Um, if it's just four people making the decisions, you know that too. Um, what did you take away? I, I want you to get real technical as someone that knows how, how to, you know, you're kind of, you're like the forensic files. You and Ryan Dotson, you, you all are like the forensic files of, of healthcare. You, you go in there and you find out what's going on and, and you convict a criminal um, and they go to jail. And in, 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 in case of the, the metaphor, they get fired and they get a new, new C-suite. But what 
do you see as someone that's a true expert that, that digs down beneath the surface? So this actually speaks to you know what I spoke about in my session yesterday, and it's something that is um, not the sexy thing to talk about, which is the quality of the data that underlies yeah. everything we do. So we're going to get a little bit technical here, and I'll talk. And and when I hear about you know all the things at OIG, CMS, you know what's coming down the pike, Rad V, all of that, it comes down to a couple of different questions that we need to ask ourselves about the data that we're we're looking at, mm. and I look at it as all right, you need to make sure that every diagnosis that you are getting from your campaigns, retrospective, prospective, what have you, is present on a claim. You know, it's because CMS ultimately does not want to be the only record of care, right. so an, a chart review right. that, that doesn't have a claim. And there are health plans I've worked with that have a 98% match rate, meaning 98% of their supplemental data gets matched to a claim. Right. And the secret to their success I never hit 98%. That's really good. Yeah, it's amazing. That's really good. And the way they do it is by very... I've cracked 90, but (laughs) 98 is is really good. You always have the unlinked claims, and you have the unlinked claims, and... You're going to have to delete (laughs) some of that stuff. I mean, you, especially ones that are, you know, I'm not a coder like you. I'm not the expert, but you know, your sepsis type, there's certain things. It's just kind of, if you're not deleting, it's like four or five codes that you know, if they're not linked, you're going to have to throw those out. That's right. Um, And I didn't know that until I came across you. It was just you, you kind of did a a clinic for me, but that's 98% is fantastic. It is. And the key to. I have to give a shout out. Those are Centauri's clients, I assume. Well, yes, we do work for this particular. So that's great. That's so great. they, um, what the key to their success is the way they manage their claims. All right. Because you have when it and when you have your CFOs, your actuaries, that C-suite saying, why is our our claim cost so high, right. but our RAF is so low? You've got leakage happening. It's in claims enrollment, all of those systems that come before risk adjustment. It's what right. I call the claims universe. And right. it's like a, it's like a hose. Right. You have the tap end, the you know where the water's coming out. That's your claims universe, and then you have your nozzle end, which is risk adjustment. And if you've got holes along the way, you've got data <coughs> leakage and then revenue leakage. So you look at things like pended claims, you know, things that can't pay or adjudicate and be submitted for your edge, EDPS, right. Medicaid, what have you. Pended claims, appeals and adjustments, denials, right. particularly denials. important for for edge. And if you start there. And looking for that that volume that might not be making it by deadlines, there's where your claims most likely are. Interesting. How how what would you say, Dawn, the percentage that you should be getting from claims? Should should ninety percent of your RAF come from claims? Should I, I always feel that plans that are more mature are not having to chase as many charts because That's they're right. they're getting as much on the claim as possible. That's I think correct. that so it's very interesting, right? Because the whole point of having a risk adjustment team is to generate revenue. So I was always the person that said, well, we want to generate revenue, but claims doesn't report to me. But if we fix claims, <laughs> then right. we could cut our chart chases in half. Now, in many ways, I'm, I'm kind of putting myself on the chopping block, but that's what's best for the system. Right. You know, I think to your if, point. If, and yep. I think of it as someone that, that has, you know, grandparent that I care for. I don't want to find out that something's going on with her a year after the fact in a, in a retro chart chase, I'm going to find it out now. And I want to make sure, let's say she's going to a provider and she's generating, you know, 10, 15 diagnosis codes that all of them are actually getting through and matriculating through the system so that it's getting into to her chart and what represents her RAF score as a, as a right. Medicare Advantage member, which my grandmother is. Yep. And then the other side to that too is there's, there's the claims aspect addressing concurrently in your claim system. It's a concurrent data governance strategy to make sure that all those diags are on the paid 
claims or denied ones too for Medicare mm -hmm. Advantage so that they can flow through for EDPS and the RAF calculation. So the other part of that is provider enablement. All right. You know, working with our providers because some of them may have, for example, EMR limitations that only let them put four diagnosis codes. So for your grandma, if she's got 15 because right. she's very ill, only four are going to make now, it. Now, is that because, so is, is that, uh, explain a little bit more, is it because they're not on Epic or Cerner, one of the big ones? What would, what would prohibit a provider from sending more than four codes? I, from what I've experienced when I was on the payer side, there was usually, um, I don't want to say malpractice, but they weren't using the system to the ideal. There were some systems that really were, I mean, this is in the wild, wild west. This was many years ago uh, before you, you had all sorts of EMRs that some of them were just a slight step above of, of paper documentation. But is it, is it that they need to learn the system or do you have EMRs that are out now in 2023 that are only capable of sending four codes it's both a really lot of, yep a lot of it so how can is. you play in the business if you only send four codes at a time yeah it still happens wow. i actually have had folks come by the booth say they're working wow. with providers that don't work with the larger your epics and your cerners who are more sophisticated where they're or it's out of timing they're working from super bills it's like they've checked one diagnosis they know that's all they need to get a, the claim through so they're not capturing anything okay. else so there's it, there's a there's that aspect of it, but a lot of it is truncation. Okay. You know, maybe their system unknowingly was sending that 837, and maybe the clearinghouse is truncating, okay. or someone is along the way. Now, what are you what you're describing right now? So if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to one of my favorite people in the industry, Dawn Carter. Um, she is director, senior director. Is everyone getting a promoted? Director of product. Your director. Strategy. I know your product strategy. <laughs> so. She's with Centauri Health, and I've spent a lot of time working with Centauri Health. I have a great relationship with them, think very highly of them, uh, especially for my time with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona. Tell us about Centauri Health and what your team is doing. Um, are you doing most of your work in consulting, getting into the 837, or are you part of some of the other product lines? Tell us about some of the other things that Centauri offers, just outside of the ability to rent Dawn Carter for I, I assume a, a very hefty fee. It's uh, yeah. I hope that they're that they're paying Centauri what you're worth because there there's only one of you in the industry, so it should be a, it should be a very high premium to to get time from from Dawn. But tell us about some of the other uh, priorities that Centauri has right now. So for we have um, we of course have grown by acquisition over right. the years, and our one of our most frequent frequent er, recent acquisitions is Secure Health Secure Exchange Solutions. Okay, and they facilitate bi-directional clinical data interchange. So they support. Now, what does that mean? That's over my head. That's you got to dumb it. You got to dumb it down. Dumb it this down. This is um, basically um, providing the clinical data support for uh, uh, risk and quality gap closure. Okay. So that was a very strategic acquisition to help us nice. with, with some of those um, activities. Uh, we still continue to offer you know, risk adjustment, you know, retrieval and coding. Uh, People are getting out of that. Yeah. I consult for a lot of vendors here. I got NDAs and can't speak directly, but <laughs> right. they all ask me to say, James, should we stay in chart retrieval and coding? I'm just like, uh, yeah, especially now. I don't like, know. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would subcontract someone to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's an option. If a plan just really wants it, I don't want to say no to a client, but would I, would I invest in that? No, you know, yeah. I, I'm encouraging a lot of people I consult for. I'm just, I think it's people like you and I'm not just saying that to be trite, you better have some people that are thinkers on your staff. Yes. Like, it's not just about having a system. So many people will come to me and they want me to consult for them. They're building this platform. 
they want me to come and evaluate their platform and, and tell them that their platform is nice. But I'm like, everyone has a good platform. And there, there are people, there are Centaurs of the world, there, there are the Pixels of the world, there are the Change Helps, there's the Optimus of the world, there are the Episources of the world that have a 20-year head start. I'm not saying that you can't build a better mousetrap, but I'm saying that if you're trying to get into this business, I would advise people to surround themselves with expertise. I mean, yes. it's just, I remember meeting you. You're the first person that I really knew that I could sleep at night as a leader saying, Don, have it our 837s. Tell me what mm-hmm. I need to do. listening to the Lance J Radio Network. What's wrong with him? He ain't been acting like himself lately. I mean, it kind of hurt because we've been best friends since we was in the second grade. Did you know that? And I try to talk to him. He don't even hear me. He gone. I mean, I could look out for myself, but... Man, I don't know what he might do to steal. The way he been acting lately. You're my man and everything, but uh, I'll do a minute if I have to. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. James Lewis. And what the pistol packing people say you better obey. Just in the nick of time, I commit the perfect crime. Rip my heart out my chest and put it right into a rhyme. I don't feel pain because that's all in the mind. And what's mine is mine's and yours is mine. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. I'm a bald head with a knife. I want your money or your life. So, 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 so. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.